Welcome to Cat's Tea and Witchcraft. My name is Fauna and I am your host. This is a witchy podcast for those who are Wiccan, witches, and everything in between. Don't forget to follow the social media pages for the podcast at Cat's Tea and Witchcraft on Instagram, Cat's Tea and Witch on Twitter, and Cat's Tea and Witchcraft Podcast at gmail.com. Enjoy the episode. Hello, witchy peeps. Welcome back to episode 28 of Cat's Tea and Witchcraft. Today's episode is on altars. This is another episode that is going to elaborate on a previous episode that we had gone over in season one. This episode that we previously went over went over basic altar tools that many witches and Wiccans use. This episode today is going to go over different types of altars and different ways that you can set them up. So a quick recap. What are altars? Altars are spaces that witches, Wiccans, and other people in our community use to either honor their deities or are dedicated spaces to witchcraft. Almost kind of like safe spaces or comfortable areas that allow them to get into a spiritual or witchy mindset. You can use altars for rituals, spells, you can meditate around them. You can use them as spaces to honor or communicate with your deities, ancestors, or other spirits and energies that you work with. It is a place that you feel comfortable and can focus on your spirituality. And it is a place that you can focus on your magical workings with little distraction or, like I said, can help you get into that magical mindset. So first off today, I'm going to go over some things that deal with the Wiccan altars, but you don't have to be Wiccan to follow these steps. You can use the concepts of the elements and the elementals as much as you want, even if you're not Wiccan. Since I already did an episode on the elements, elementals, and tools in the past, I won't go over those today for the sake of time. So if you haven't listened to those already, feel free to circle back to those episodes from season one, either before you continue listening to this episode, or you can listen to it after this episode. Since Wicca tends to have specific positions where tools go based on the direction, the element, elemental associations, you might want to refresh on those if you are not familiar with them. Going over that may help you understand why these tools will go in a particular position on a more Wiccan-based altar. Like I said, I'm not going to go over these items and what they do to save time. And in general, I'm not going to really go into depth of why of anything in this episode except kind of where things are placed so like I said go back to those other episodes and you might be able to figure out the why by understanding the associations with the elements in everything else one thing that I am going to actually be giving a little more distinction on today is kind of the concept of what direction things will be facing um, and when I am talking about the directions, I'm going to say things like northeast, south, or west facing altars. What that means is the direction that you will be facing when you are looking at your altar. But you also may s still find slightly different variations of these altars depending on the tradition that someone follows. If you are unsure about the different kinds of Wicca traditions, you can also go back to that episode from season one as well. Since I have only been an eclectic Wiccan, I cannot speak for Gardenarians and anybody else that is a different type of Wiccan than I am. 
So common tools that are used on altars are candles, cloths, athames, wands, statues, incense, cauldrons, chalices, pentagrams or pentacles, any items that represent the elements, elementals, depending on your personal preference, and offerings. You could do food or drink or even objects that don't go bad or flowers or something of the sort. Other popular tools that can be found on an altar but can depend from person to person can be someone's book of shadows or grimoire if they keep it on there and not in like a bookshelf. That people do crystals, crystal balls, their divination tools, lighters, matches, or anything else that you might use on a regular basis in your craft. Directional facing altars is the next thing that I'm gonna go over. One easy way to decide where to place the tools on your altar is based on the direction and the elements and elementals. The easiest way to know these directions are to either use a compass, the compass app on your phone, or if you know which side is east and west is by knowing that the east is where the moon and the sun rise and the west is where they set. And then from there you can determine where north and south are. If you find your walls aren't directly lined up with the different directions, pick which direction, like if it's in between, like if it's a northeast or a southwest, pick which side you want to represent one of those directions and just kind of tweak it a little bit, but just keep in mind which direction you are choosing it to be more towards. Because sometimes we have to give in and we have to kind of adjust depending on our environment. So if your altar is facing east, that means your altar, in this case, if you're going in a directional based location for your items, would mean air based items or east based items will be at the upper top part of where you're putting everything. So when you think of a compass, actually, let's start with that, you have four points. Normally, north is at the top, but if you're not facing north and you're facing east, east is going to be at the top. And then you're gonna go around how the compass normally would if you were facing east. So east is directly in front of you. And then to the right of that would be south, and then directly below east would be west, and then to the left would be north. And depending on if you're doing a north-facing altar, you're facing north, and then north would be at the top, east would be at the right, south would be below north, and west would be to the left, like you would see on a normal compass. And the same would go if you were facing west, everything would be shifted, and then if you're facing south, everything would be shifting according to the direction. If you are ever having issues kind of picturing that in your mind, draw out a compass on a piece of paper if you don't have one, and if you can use the sun or the moon to determine which is east and which is west, have the way it's rising or setting where the paper is in your hands and where you're facing, and then move around in your body, and then wherever that is, just kind of use that as a guide. And maybe I will just throw in a little bit of details um, for the directions. So if everything is east, you want things that are based on the air element or east. If you are having things in the north area, you're going to have things that have to deal with earth and gnomes. And like I said, air is east and you'll have sylph or fairies. 
For west, that's going to be water, and you might have undines or mermaids, and anything dealing with the south is going to be fire-related or salamanders or the tools that are associated with the south. If you can keep statues or candles for your deities on your altar, you can use the upper left or right-hand corners if you are using both. If you're only using one or the other, you can keep it at the upper top in the middle. It is common for the goddess that you can use silver or dark colors, and for the god, you can use gold or white. But if you just find yourself having white candles or white statues, you can use those for both deities. I'm not completely sure the reasoning for this next little bit, but sometimes people only put the goddess on the right hand of the altar and the god on the left, and some may do the opposite. Some will switch it up depending on the direction that the altar is facing as well. I'm not sure if that's a traditional thing or just the associations based on the god or goddess. That's just some information that I don't have myself and I haven't found the information for or haven't been provided it from some of my mentors. Maybe I should ask them why that is. But either way, do what works for you. And if you find the information on why, feel free to share that or just see what works for you. I will leave that to you to decide based on your path and what information that is provided to you since I don't really have that answer right now, but I know that is a thing for some people. I wouldn't really worry too much about the location of the deities if you're putting it on the left or the right as much as I would say the elements or the elementals because those are a little bit stronger of an association with the, the compass directions. If you learn something new, you can always change it up, but don't feel bad if you were doing it wrong or differently before, I'm air quoting as I'm saying that. So I honestly don't think you're going to offend the deities too much for not knowing something, as long as you are being respectful. If you have a pentacle on your altar, the easiest place to put that would probably just be in the middle of everything. Just because the pentacle itself and the points represent spirit, earth, air, water, and fire. Putting it in the middle of everything just kind of gives it a nice complete look. I also did mention a minute ago that if you're only working with one of the deities, you can just have the one deity kind of in the upper middle part. Generally, when you're only working with the goddess, you will do that when you are doing more of a nighttime ritual or a moon ritual. And if you're only working with the god, it can be during more solar rituals or during the day if you're only working with one of them. I did find one of the books that I have that are introductory level books is a guide for the solitary practitioner. On chapter 7 it said that north and east are more common and kind of more recommended altered directions to face if you have the space to do it. I don't have an east or a north facing altar. Mine is south because that's the only space I have. But it also says that the reason for that is due to north being a representation of power and because of east it is the direction that the moon and the sun rise. It also mentions that the left half of the altar is for the goddess and the right side is for the god. So it might, like I said, depend on the direction that you're facing or just something that is seen more commonly. So the next half of this episode, I'm going to go over different types of altars. Since Wicca itself is a religion, there's a 
bit of a standard when it comes to it, like I said, with the directionals, with the elements and the elementals, but because of witchcraft is not a religion in itself, there's really no standard or normal or 100% accepted way to set up your altar. There's real, really no rules. You can make up your own rules depending on what you do at your altar, what your tradition is, and just what you like and what you want it to look like. Like you can have it based on an aesthetic or you can have it based on the space you have and have it really simple or as complicated as you need. But like I said, unless you are from a specific tradition or a coven in a, or a group, or if you are in a hereditary family of witches, I really wouldn't worry about how your altar is in not worrying that it has to look a particular way. Right now I'm going to list off a couple different types of altars. There are many more that I'm going to go over today, but these are just kind of some common noteworthy ones that I thought. The first two that I'm going to go over are permanent altars and temporary altars. Permanent altars are ones that you keep up all the time but that doesn't mean that you can't change the contents and the positioning of them as time goes on. You can change it based on your mood, based on the spell work that you're doing, or just because you kinda just feel like it. Like literally it doesn't have to stay the same, or if you clean it or add new tools or remove things, the permanent part of it is that it's up most of the time and not put away as you use it then that goes into what temporary altars are. Temporary art altars are ones that are only used on occasion or not left out all the time. You take them down when they are not in use. This can be for convenience due to limited space or because you hide your craft from people that are around you because sometimes people are nosy or you just don't want them to know about your practice. And sometimes, like I said, you just don't want them all up in your stuff. Temporary altars would be good for if you're new to it and you're not sure how people are going to feel about it or like if you're in college or if you move around and travel a lot, keeping that space reduced and reducing that clutter is also a good way. Also, if you're someone that doesn't like clutter and likes to keep things put away, it can keep things a little more stress-free from you if you visually need things to be a little more tame. The next one is ancestor altars or shrines. These altars focus on relatives that have passed within your own lifetime or in the distant family history. You can have photos or items that belong to them. You can add candles and food as offerings that they may have liked. If you don't have items or photos of them but have contacted them or gotten information through meditation, dreams, or other techniques, Use other items that you think represent them to decorate your altar. The next one are deity altars or shrines. And these are a little different than a normal altar, I would say, because it would mostly focus on the deity itself. These altars, like I said, focus on the deity that you work with. And sometimes people might have more than one of these altars or shrines because some people work with a few. I have two that I work with in particular, but due to space, they're kind of in a similar area, but they are deities that are friendly with each other and would get along. That is not always the case though. When you've done research on them or learned common items that may 
associated with them, you can add those, or you can add photos or drawings or statues of them that are in their likeness. You can also use candles in anything color-wise that is associated with them. Like with ancestor ones, you can leave offerings that are temporary or permanent depending on who they are and what you feel is most appropriate and available to you. You can use these altars for spells or just to honor them when you feel like you need a little bit of assistance from them or you just want to give them a little bit of time and attention. I feel like in, I've heard as well that some deities do require a little bit more of attention than others. So if that's the case, sometimes you might need to do a daily dedication or give them a little bit of attention every so often. And in some cases, you might only do it once a week or once a month, depending on who you're working with and what sort of relationship you have with them. Uh, one example that I have of this is kind of making, not like an official contract with them, but like... An example I have is from the fairy tale anime. Lucy, she works with the Zodiac and is a wizard that works with a magician, wizard, whatever they're called. And they work with keys and she makes contracts with them based on the agreement that they have. And sometimes they're available certain days of the week and stuff like that. So kind of like that, um, but just get to know them and what they like and what you feel is most appropriate to give them an appropriate amount of attention. You don't want to completely ignore them from six months. That would be kind of sad because you do want to have a relationship and possibly a friendship with them if you feel and they feel that is appropriate. The next one is travel altars. These are altars that are pretty much a collection of supplies that you can bring with you when you are on trips or want to do spells and rituals when you are not at home and can't bring a ton of supplies. You can store them in a bag or a small box that is easier to travel with. Good things that you can use with these are small jars, little tea light candles, mini versions or pictures of larger items that you have or of your deities. Like I said, you could use tea lights, matches, small bottles of oils, little jars of water, earth, cone incense, and different things of the sort. Even if you don't use it for normal traveling and you don't normally do rituals outside and say you found a nice space in a park that you're allowed to do these things at, um, you just want to bring a small little box of things that you can use and have your own private little ritual. It might be a little hard to travel with these if you are going on an airplane depending on what you're using because I know sometimes they might limit what you're allowed to bring. I know you're definitely probably not going to be able to bring an athme on a plane so you might need to settle for using a wand instead and if you're using oils or liquids and stuff you might not be able to bring those on as well depending on the size and what they are and what TSA says. The last one that I'm going to go over are seasonal altars. Seasonal altars are ones that you can change as the seasons go by and are focused on items that are related to Sabbaths or general holidays because you can also celebrate national holidays or other holidays that aren't strictly witch related. If you want to have one for, if say you live in the United States and you like to celebrate the 4th of July or Memorial Day or Labor Day, whatever holiday, I'm just listing off holidays now. If you want to have an altar for Valentine's Day, you can totally have an altar dedicated to love if you want. So it doesn't just have to be witchy. And if you want to use that time of the year to focus on love at that seasonal altar, you could probably get some pretty cool love manifestations if you put your mind to it.
But like I said, these can be based off of the elements and the elementals. Say like you have a spring holiday and you want to use things that are more earthy, that you could change. And then when you get into the summer, you can switch into something else. It doesn't just have to be a bunch of complicated things like plants. You can just focus on color. So maybe your tablecloth can be a particular color and you just have some candles that match as well. Or you can go all out and get a bunch of decorations. But these altars are kind of fun because whatever space that it's in, it's never going to look the same for very long. And in some cases that can really just change the vibe of whatever room they're in. So overall, that's most of the information that I'm going to give you today. I know this might not be the most meaty or informational one. It's a little more of a visual process for this, um, especially if you don't have any experience working with altars. I'm sorry if it's a little confusing, but if you would like, and if I remember, I might do a little doodle of like the directions and some examples of stuff that you can do to have a visual. I won't be sharing any pictures of my personal altar because I do feel that there are certain things in your craft that you should keep private. If you want to feel free to share them with me, I will keep them private. I won't post any pictures of that or share it with anyone else. If you just want to get some advice or you just want to hear what I think about your altar and the things that you have on it, feel free to share that with me. What you send to me is a safe space and I won't share anything that you don't give me permission, but also I'm going to make the choice of not sharing the photos of people's altars because like I said, I feel those are very personal and private. But in the end, do you need to have an altar? No, you don't. And like I said, you don't need to have a Wiccan style altar that's based on the elements and the directions of a compass. You only really need to do that if you want to. And to be honest, it's more of a guideline than a requirement. But if it works for you in the coven or whatever environment, I am tripping on my words today. So I'm going to apologize for that. And But like if you want to stick with that, you can. But if you want to go a little crazy and change things up, you could do that too. It's probably not going to make much of a difference in the craft. Unless it bothers you, then do what makes you feel a little bit better. Because I know sometimes people, when they make changes, it makes them really nervous because they're so nervous about making mistakes. The only mistake I would say at this point that comes with your altar is trying not to burn it down when you're using candles, lighters, or matches. And when it comes to what you can use for an altar, it doesn't have to be a table. It can be a box, it could be a shelf, a cabinet, a chest, or it could just be the floor. When it comes to cleanliness, I would keep on that up on that a little bit because you don't want dust to start collecting on your stuff. And I know over time, dust can get just really gross and really grimy. And if you have pets or children, there's going to be things flying all in the air. Or if you open windows and it's a season when there's a lot of pollen, you don't want that collecting on your tools either if you keep your windows or doors open too. But I also haven't mentioned this, but you can have your altars indoors or outdoors. If you are working outdoors, make sure that you are doing it in a safe way that nothing catches on fire or harms the environment in any way. And if you have tools that are left outside, make sure that they can withstand the changes of the seasons or extreme weather conditions if you don't bring them in. If you have offerings on your table, how long you keep them on the table or your altar in general would depend on what you're using. If you're using food or liquid, 
I wouldn't leave that out for maybe a day or two. And if you have pets and kids, not very long or just make sure it's covered and kind of out of the way. You don't want it to rot and get really gross or get knocked over. I know sometimes my cat gets on my altar, so I can't leave anything up there that I know he'll knock over or like to actually get into. I kind of prefer to leave bottles of wine or mead or flowers. Flowers last a little bit, but not forever. But then at that point, I can use the dried flowers for something else in the craft. And when it comes to bottles of liquor, I usually just wipe down the bottle. And when I do open a similar bottle, I will leave a little bit of a different bottle that I'm opening so they can have a little bit for themselves outside of the bottle. But that is all I have for you today. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Um, Like I said, I, I was stumbling over my words today and there's just a lot going on. This, I was a little nervous about this episode because I didn't feel like I had a lot of information for you and I'm a little worried that it might be a little confusing. But if it helps you at all, you have an episode for this week and I did want to have an episode this week. So if you have any questions, feel free to message me on the social media pages or if there's something you think I can add in a future episode or just tack on to the beginning of next week's episode if I maybe did misspeak or you just think I can add that sooner than later and that might work out for those who listen to the episodes week by week as they come out. But I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Either way, I appreciate all of you and I will talk to you next week. Have a good one. Blessed be.